Welcome to the Feathered Desert, a podcast all about desert bird feeding in the southwestern region of the United States. Welcome back, everyone, to the Feathered Desert. Today, we're going to talk about something that is near and dear to our hearts, and it's gardening for wildlife. That is the title of our podcast today. So creating a wildlife habitat in your backyard is a way to make a big difference to the local wildlife we share our neighborhoods with. But it's not exactly what you think. We're not talking about making a wildlife habitat for uh, big cats or little cats or uh, javelina or anything like that. We're talking about our little guys. And that includes the birds, the butterflies, the moths, the small lizards, the ladybugs, all of these guys fall into the category of wildlife. And we are actually, Wild Birds Unlimited, this year is pairing with the National Wildlife Federation. And they are a well-known conservation organization. And they have this really awesome program called Certified Wildlife Habitat Program. And we're going to walk you through the steps of that uh, today to help you do that. So the goal of the program is to inspire everyone to create a haven for wildlife in their yard. And it's really so much easier than you expect it to be. Um, and in doing, creating a haven for your wildlife, the National Wildlife Federation does believe that communities will be, repla will be able to replace the loss of wildlife habitat our songbirds needs to survive and thrive. So we don't have as much of it in large swaths like we used to, but if we can all contribute in our yards and maybe you can inspire your neighbor and then your neighbor's neighbor, we can replenish that area. So this is a quite an exciting opportunity to vastly improve the world around us. And it's way easier than you think. And Cheryl's going to start us off and tell us what exactly a wildlife garden is. Yes. Well, that's a good question. What is a wildlife garden? Well, uh, wildlife, just like people, need four things to survive. Uh, food, water, places to raise their young, cover, shelter. And by providing these four basic things for birds and butterflies and the wildlife that Kirsten just mentioned, helps wildlife to thrive. Now, Kirsten's going to tell us why you would want to do that. That's right. I can hear you people thinking, oh gosh, why do I want to even really do that? But you guys have already taken one step toward it. You already enjoy feeding birds. So these are a couple of reasons why you might want to create one in your yard, your patio, or your garden. And this even will work for people who live in apartments. You might not be able to do every single step, but you can do almost all the steps, which will help to connect communities around you. So in North American bird population, has decreased by 2.9 billion breeding adults in the last few years. And well, that's 2.9 billion loss. That's quite a bit. The number one reason for that is actually habitat loss. So scientists have identified habitat loss as the biggest reason for the decline in bird populations. So that's one of the reasons why we just add a few more native plants to our front yard or even putting up something like a globe mallow in a pot on your uh, apartment patio will work. Um, so another reason why you'd want to do this, of course, you guys like to feed birds, is to attract more of a variety of birds to your backyard for your viewing enjoyment. And by doing that, you're also helping them out. 
This also is gonna help restore habitat loss um, based on our human housing development. And then if all of us who are already bird feeding, which are our listeners, I know, uh, if you enjoy watching the birds create habitats to improve your viewing pleasure, and if you're enjoying that, they are certainly taking advantage of that and they're loving it as well. And if we all did that, just think of the incredible connecting wildlife habitats we would have and the joy we ourselves would experience and the breeding opportunities that we offer our birds. And we are going to step into the five different steps for creating a wildlife garden and we're going to cover each one of those steps for you. That's right. First, first one is food. So food, um, relating this to birds, birds are constantly checking their food sources and creating a bird feeding station with a variety of foods and various bird feeders will bring you many hours of bird watching enjoyment. So you've already got that first step out there. You've got one or two feeders, but uh, you can try to include uh, native plants and trees in your yard to, or garden or patio to provide for songbirds with natural food sources, such as wolfberry shrubs that have beautiful, delicate little purple flowers on them that attract butterflies. And then wherever there's a little purple flower, there becomes a red berry, which feeds your mockingbirds, your cedar wax wings in the winter, and your verdant all year round. It's also a host for butterflies, and I'm not an expert on that. Kirsten's the expert on butterflies. She could probably tell us what hosts, um, plants it works for. But there's the fairy duster uh, shrub, which attracts butterflies and hummingbirds, as well as I see a lot of verdant in my fairy duster uh, tree. And also in the summer, I see warblers. I have no idea what warblers are doing in that tree, but that is the tree they like in my yard. So you get a more of a variety when you include what birds are already hard, hardwired to be attracted to. And Kirsten's gonna to talk to us maybe about the host plants as well as water. All right, well, talking about water, all living things need clean, fresh water. We all need it. They all need it. So just like us, birds need clean, reliable water sources for drinking and bathing throughout the year. Especially here in the desert Southwest, we have all experienced the heat of summer here and it takes quite a toll on our birds that live year round with us. So offering a clean, reliable water source, so that means that it's something that is filled every day at the same time. If you have to refill it, I have a very shallow bowl, so I have to refill it every morning. So I make a point every morning to go out and refill it so that it lasts throughout the day. Another thing to consider with water is it can attract sometimes more birds than food can to your yard and patio. There are certain birds that aren't necessarily interested in the food in your feeder and they will swing by your yard to drink water such as quail. The quail will eat the food that comes out of a feeder but they don't generally eat out of a feeder because they're very big bodied animals and they stay down on the ground but if you put out a bowl of water and you're in an area that quail pass by your house you are going to get some gambles quail and everybody loves a little gambles quail with that little feather on top of their head so that is a wonderful way to do that and you're supporting one of the things that we would like to 
do for our wildlife habitat. And it's fairly simple and easy to do. You can use a bird bath that sits on the ground. You can use a hanging bird bath and you can do like me, just a shallow dish, as long as you keep it nice and clean and full and that will help with the water. Excuse me, Kirsten, warblers and orioles. Yes, those are the ones here since they pass through us and we don't have them here year round, water will attract them. And a lot of people want to see those guys. I will actually tell you just this morning when I was coming in, I saw some Orioles in my yard. I never get Orioles, but I saw two Orioles. It was a hooded Oriole and his mate and they were coming by. I had just filled my water bath and of course the Ocotillo are blooming. And so they were there for that. And I hope that the water in my area will keep them in my yard for um, at least the next couple of weeks or so. So after water, we are um, going to look at cover and we'll see why that's important. Okay. So cover is step number three um, out of our uh, steps for a wildlife garden. And cover is, you know, your trees and your bushes, whatever shelter that you can provide. Uh, for the birds. And birds need protective cover for times of rest, social interaction, and as a retreat for the foul weather. <laughs> well, okay, well, well, maybe not rain, but there's wind and dust storms and things like that that happen here, and rain occasionally. Um, and predators, when that hawk or the uh, bobcat or the community cat that comes through your yard, they need to go up into something and they tuck themselves into the tiny tiniest little spots and they're very very quiet so they need areas like that for protection and then there's landscaping landscaping for the ideal wildlife habitat should include a variety of native plants ranging in size and density just like we talked about for those reasons depending on the space available so you can have a small garden that provides um, cover or you can even have like Kirsten mentioned a plant on the patio that provides something for them um, and don't underestimate the power of native plants that they bring to your outdoor space. Um, there's globe mallow, which is bees, butterflies, and I have Abert's tokies that are nesting in my globe mallow bush, um, just in, just up and under it. And um, there's desert honeysuckle, which is also is a nice bush that works on a, in a container on a patio, and it attracts hummingbirds. And there is also the firecracker bush, which is again a nice plant that grows in a container um, that attracts hummingbirds. Both of these plants have orange and red blossoms, so they um, are very pretty when they bloom. And our next is one of the most important Kirsten's going to talk about. Yes, the next thing that we think about is a place to raise your young. Now we all need that, all of us. When you are looking for a house as human beings, you always look for the one that is going to best help you with your children if you have them. And for those of us who don't have human children, for our dog children, we always look for that best place that is gonna help us raise our family. That's the same thing with birds. So when we use native plants that are providing food and shelter, they can provide also a safe area for many species of wildlife to mate, build nests and raise families. So just like some of the bushes that Cheryl just discussed, uh, those are very important. Now, of course, we have had a loss of natural habitat, which many cavity nesting birds are having trouble finding homes. So cavity nesting birds, such as our woodpeckers and um, even our kestrels, our uh, small bird of prey, the kestrels, the fewer large 
cactus or trees that are available for them, the less places they have to nest. So that's something to consider as well when you have to redo your landscape or you are trimming things up if you have a tree or a cactus that is maybe um, entering the end stages of its life if it is safe for us to leave it up leave it up because that will give them places to nest comfortably and maybe even prop it up i've seen some of my neighbors do that where they prop up their older cactus so that they can live out and sustain through those heavy winds that sometimes we get and we do have right next door to my house we have some uh, the gilded flickers that are in a uh, saguaro cactus right next door they it's a propped up cactus but it's been they've been living there for the last couple of years and my neighbors are taking that extra time to keep that cactus propped up which is great so we can help by planting things such as a desert willow or a creosote. These can grow up and be kind of bushy. I like to let mine just grow naturally. The gentleman across the street from me likes to um, shape his a little bit, but it still offers a place where our native desert birds can pick a home that is protected for them. It also gives them a little way station in between. If they need to get across the street, they run across the street and they run right into that creosote bush and then they wait and they see what happens and then they move on. That's how all of my quail travel around my yard. I've got a big bunch of creosote all together near a wash and that's how they get around. They run through the creosote bush in the wash and then they look around. I can see their little heads poking up and they run to the tree where I have all of my food and my water hanging and that gives, gives them protection from the predators that are there. So providing alternatives for these birds also in the way of birdhouses or different types of nesting ledges, it will encourage these birds to raise their young in your yard. And that's what we're doing. That's our whole point when it comes to bird feeding is we want to see the whole life cycle of the bird. So mom and dad birds are hardwired to raise a nest of babies. And if we can help them by offering these different types of places to raise their young, protected places, then they can get the job done with our support. So Kirsten, the next uh, step, and it's actually a step that um, we added because there's usually only four steps, but we put in a fifth step because we think it's important and it's sustainable practices. So maintaining your landscape, your patio, your garden in a sustainable, environmentally friendly way ensures that soil, air, water, that native wildlife and people, your children, your pets, um, rely upon to stay clean and healthy. So uh, this is, it's suggested that you use organic products that break down naturally and help wildlife by eliminating or at a minimum significantly reducing the use of chemical fertilizers, herbicides, or pesticides. And one example is the creosote bush that Kirsten just mentioned. It has its own um, herbicide in, in the sense that it is a desert plant and it wants all the water to itself. So within a certain range, um, it can it exhibits into the soil a natural herbicide that prevents other plants from growing under it or too close to it. And that's how it, it itself survives, especially during drought conditions. 
So that's a plant if you don't want to have to water a lot and you don't want to have to about worrying about that back corner or that, you know, side yard, a creosote bush is great for that. There's, this is a fact, more than 1 billion pounds of pesticides are applied to the United States, are ground each year. That's a lot. Yeah, that's stunning actually. Um, and that's not good for any um, breathing um, animal or entity. Yes, including <laughs> us. Yes. So uh, native bees and butterflies are pollinators and we need them for our flowers. We need them for the for food. So it, it's important to create a garden um, free of chemicals that will be safer for these beneficial insects. And um, so that's another uh, plus to stepping back from your chemical um, fertilizers and uh, pesticides. Uh, native plants can be better. Um, I, well, I'm gonna restate what I just said. Native plants can be their own pesticide or herbicide like the creosote bush. Composting is a way to increase the, increase the richness of your soil, either for potting in pots or for mixing with dirt in your yard. And they're composting a compost pile or buying a small composter if you have a small garden or a yard. Um, it's minimal work actually and it cuts down also on um, your waste your vegetative waste or your any decaying waste that you put in your trash can because if you I don't know if you as a listener is um, aware of but as our vegetable waste breaks down in the plastic bag that we throw away it actually heats up as it's breaking down and generates its own uh, greenhouse gases so if we can keep that to a minimum, it's good for us, it's good for anyone else who needs to breathe air and cooling for the planet. Plus, it works great for your soil. Um, less native uh, plants, trees, and less grass. Water is going to be an issue. If it's not an issue in 2021, it will be in 2022 if we don't get some rain. So um, it's really important that we rethink what we're putting in our yard. And uh, again, plants like the button bush, the desert milkweed, the blanket flower, they all provide um, interesting um, plants to look at, color for your yard, and they need little to no water. Uh, recycle, reuse products. And the one word that I can say that everyone should um, be aware of is plastic. Ugh, that's like a can, bad word now. Yes, if we can eliminate one use plastics, one use anything like paper towels and paper napkins. Um, it it would it's a step in the right direction. It's estimated that 4,900 million metric tons of plastic have accumulated in landfills and in our environment um, worldwide. And they're in our oceans and it's harming wildlife both in the water and the ground. And those are just simple steps, really, that we can just take what we're good habits and just take it a step further instead of inside our house. We're doing it outside our house. Makes a big difference. Yes, actually, I have one note about the sustainable practices. I can hear people already saying, well, I'm not going to stop using pesticides because I have scorpions or I have fire ants. Yeah. The same thing. Actually, Cheryl and my mom in Texas both do the same thing. They use pesticides that are specifically targeted to the pest that you are trying to get rid of. So Cheryl does have a problem with some um, 
scorpions Scorpions. in her backyard right Mm -hmm. and but and they do have a pesticide service but they come by and use pesticides targeted to the scorpion so it's not one of those general pesticides that just kills off any bug so what comes along and comes in contact with that the scorpion is going to be affected but the bee that comes by to pollinate her flowers is not going to be affected and target excuse me kirsten it's a targeted area so i only have them treat portion of the yard right and you can do that that's the way you get by with that because my mother lives in texas and if anybody listening has lived in texas or is living there you know that fire ants are the bane of our existence so she (laughs) cannot stop targeting the fire ants and she actually really wanted to do this program that the national wildlife federation is supporting which is Uh, certifying your yard as a wildlife habitat and she was like well I can't do it because I have to use pesticides and I told her I was like if you're using a targeted pesticide just for those fire ants which is what she's doing you can still certify your yard so keep that in mind as well I know that she felt upset that she wasn't going to be able to do it because she does everything else she offers food water cover and a place to raise young but she couldn't do the sustainable practices one and uh, when I explained that to her, she was like, oh, that's great. And she actually uh, went into the program and did it as well. So consider that as well, because I know out here we do have some dangerous yeah. insects that we don't want to be in our yard or in our house. So that is one way that you can do that. So let's recap one more time our steps, our easy, easy steps for making a wildlife habitat in our yard or our patio. Food, which a lot of you guys are already doing, and water. Two easy steps that a lot of you are already doing. Cover. For those of you who live in an apartment, adding something like the globe mallow bush that is super easy to take care of if you go on vacation and then you have to worry about watering it because it'll be fine. And a place to raise their young, which comes with gardening practices and then just keeping an eye out for things and seeing what kind of birds you have around and making sure that the large cactus you already have around your house or the large trees are taken care of. And then those sustainable practices. They're pretty easy steps to do. And just think if we could remake every suburban lawn or patio in the Phoenix Valley into a nurturing wildlife habitat, what a wonderful wild and better home this would be for us and for our wildlife. And for those of you who are now inspired to get going, we will have something up on our show notes about uh, which websites to check. And you can look into even getting your yard certified by the National Wildlife Federation as a wildlife habitat. So thank you guys so much for listening to our Gardening for Wildlife podcast. We hope that you were truly inspired and are going to go out and see what it is that you can do. And when you do it, hopefully your neighbor will be inspired and then the neighbor across the street and everybody will get in on the action. Yeah, that's the whole idea. Do it together. Yes. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.